Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of The Mirror, and TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook. Can Borough beat United under the Friday lights as FA Cup weekend gets off to a magical start? Let's be frank, will Thomas Sting Lampard get ready for 1994 nostalgia as West Ham head back to Kitty? Burnley change things up as they have the only Premier League fixture of the weekend. Yeah, I'm selling it to you, I know. The Game Day Podcast, looking ahead to the FA Cup fourth round weekend from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, hasn't it, since we uh, last convened in the Game Day podcast room. Alex Crook and Darren Lewis are here, and so much has changed. The landscape has changed. Roy Hodgson is back in business again. He has answered the siren's call. He has turned up at Watford. Why are you shaking your head, Darren? Did you think there was an odd quote for him to, to say that he was like a sailor passing past the mermaid siren call? It was a bit Eric Cantona, wasn't it? in the press conference as he was unveiled as the uh, 15th Watford manager under the Pozzos. It was, I mean, look, to be fair, they've lucked out the Pozzos because he is actually a guy who will come in, get them organised and get them out of trouble. And to be honest, they don't deserve it. They show so little loyalty to their managers that maybe a departure from the Premier League would actually focus a few minds there but the trouble is when they go down, they come back and they think that that model works and they've got so many fans who defend them but not for me. Um, but Roy Hodgson's going to do a good job, right? Because this is a guy yeah, who's absolutely. going to get them organised. He's going to maybe be the man that sorts out a defence that hasn't kept a clean sheet all season, Crookie. Yeah, I was slightly surprised they didn't dip into the transfer market on deadline day. Nat Phillips going out on loan to Bournemouth was one of the more eyebrow-raising transfers for me because I was surprised there wasn't championship interest, bearing in mind what he did for Liverpool at the end of the season. They just about snuck into the top four when the likes of Van Dijk were injured. And I think he'd have been a good signing for what for someone they looked at earlier in the window. So for me, you're right, the, the first priority is to sort out that shaky defence. I think Watford have got a much better chance now than they did under Claudio Ranieri. But I still think without any additions on deadline day, I think it will be a, a difficult task for Roy Hodgson, especially when you look at what Newcastle did. And they bought in quite a few, though, didn't they, earlier in the window? And they did try to get Dean Henderson, I understand, on uh, on deadline day. So look, I don't think all is lost for Watford, Norwich or Newcastle or even Burnley. There's still a, a long way to go. And Burnley play Watford uh, this weekend live on TalkSport. So we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. But there's so much FA Cup action uh, to get through. Are you excited about the FA Cup? I am. I am. Do you know what? When the draw was made, we all moaned and groaned that it wasn't that exciting but there's stories along the way there always is in the FA Cup and there will be an upset somewhere hopefully at Stamford Bridge where I'll be for TalkSport 2 on Saturday morning not sure I can concur with that uh, assessment but uh, what about Kidderminster Harriers against West Ham that's certainly got FA Cup written all over it and actually so too has Manchester United against Middlesbrough we are feeling the magic of the FA Cup Manchester United trying to get across in they've done that McTominay oh it's a brilliant header for us, it was important to progress into the next round. I'm being brought in for the uh, for the future, for the long haul, and I'm, all my ambitions can be achieved at this football club. Andres Borat has the goal that puts Middlesbrough in front, and you have to say, start of the second half, they've deserved it. Yeah, loads of games on the TalkSport network. This starts us off Friday night on TalkSport. Manchester United against Middlesbrough. Uh, Manchester United spent most of their time in the international break, Darren, dealing with off-field issues. 
difficult to see how those things can possibly not have had an effect on the team and the group going into this game. On the pitch, there have been signs of improvement. How do you expect it to go for Ralph Ranić and his team? I expect them to stay focused. I think he will have worked quite hard in ensuring that they stay focused. But obviously, we can't talk about those off-the-field issues for very obvious reasons. But at the same time, it's hard not to be able to address the fact that the individual concerned was a friend of many of the people um, in the Manchester United dressing room. So as human beings, it will have had an impact on them. Um, And so I would imagine Ralph Rangnick will have worked very hard on trying to help them to stay professional, to stay focused, to put that out of their minds and to get on with their job. Um, their run in football terms is actually very good in recent matches for all the noise. Three wins from their last four in all competitions. They're in good goal scoring form as well. And they kept a clean sheet in their last game. I think they will win this. Uh, Crookie, the statistics point to the fact that actually since Ralph Ranick's been in charge, that they've, they've looked pretty solid, Manchester United. Hasn't always felt like that when you've been at the matches watching the games. Um, but in terms of Old Trafford, five wins in their last seven games at home, but they're facing a Middlesbrough team that are in fantastic form themselves. Eight wins in the last ten. Chris Wilder has made a significant impact. Can he cause Manchester United, who might not be full strength because of what else is to come over the next few weeks, um, any problems? Well, I think you say United won't be a full strength. I think it will be interesting to see what type of team Middlesbrough send out because they've got a huge game themselves in the Championship on Wednesday against Queen's Park Rangers. Two or three just- changes, I understand. Two or three changes, that's all. Okay, well, in that in that case, yeah, I think they will uh, pose Manchester United a problem because, as you say, the form since Chris Wilder came in uh, has been exceptional. They've got themselves to the the cusp of the playoff places now, and he's been backed in the in the transfer window uh, as well. Steve Gibson once again proving he's one of the most loyal chairmen uh, in the history of football. So United will have to be at it. I thought the performance against West Ham prior to the international break was much better. It was more of the control, which is the buzzword that Ralph Ranić has been using. But it's not just the you know, the high-profile police situation that will disrupt that Manchester United dressing room. You've got Jesse Lingard, who was trying to force his way out on deadline day. That didn't happen with Newcastle. Dean Henderson, you've mentioned, I know for a fact that he was very unhappy yeah. that his move was blocked. So there's lots of man-managing for Ralph Ranić to do. Not necessarily convinced that's his biggest strength. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, so far, those things haven't really gone that well for him. Um, Anthony Martial being a prime example, and also the situation that uh, developed with Cristiano Ronaldo when he decided to take him off um, from the uh, Brentford game. So, look, I mean, there's, there's every chance that those situations could flare up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, United have won the FA Cup 12 times, and this is a competition that they've got to target, actually, Darren, because it's unlikely that they're going to be able to win any other piece of silverware, and they can't keep going on not putting pots in the trophy cabinet. It's been a long time since they last did that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They've got to get back to winning form in terms of silverware. It's been too long since they uh, kind of cultivated that culture of winning at the club, and they do have too many good players not to be targeting the trophy itself. So, um, yeah, listen, only one team is going to win. Uh, the Premier League, as we know, City. There are a whole host of teams in with a shout for the top four. This is a competition that, if they can just put their heads together and get on a bit, get a bit of consistency, they can win it because anything can happen. He's given up. He's given up. The Liverpool fan has given up. He's thrown the towel in already. That's <laughs> it, Manchester. No. He's given it. Have, you, have you put the ribbons on the on the trophy and everything? No, I'm just a realist. I think as far as City are concerned, they're too good, too strong. Is it reverse psychology? Come on, tell us the truth. Is it reverse psychology? (laughs) You're trying to sort of launch us into a false sense of security here? Well, look, I would say this. Luis Diaz being signed, I know we're going to talk more about Liverpool later, but Luis Diaz being signed gives Liverpool real impetus. They've got three players in him, Jota and Harvey Elliott, who can deputise with Salah and Manning needing a break after the AFCON. And so you don't really lose too much quality with that calibre of player. 
But on the face of it, it would take an almighty collapse from City to throw it away. I will get to Liverpool in just a second because uh, they've got a new star, star signing. He might well feature in the FA Cup uh, this weekend. The fingers crossed. Hope that is the case because I'm doing the game live for ITV. Imagine the audience if he does end up turning up. Um, let's uh, move along to uh, our second match. We're going to preview about 10 or 11 matches uh, in this podcast today. Lots of FA Cup games. Only one Premier League uh, match this weekend. We'll get to that. But Cambridge United's reward for beating Newcastle is a game with Luton Town. Ah, look, I mean, you could have got a better draw. Didn't quite work out. Maybe you'll get through to the fifth round of the competition and you'll get a massive name in that. Uh, not the most inspiring draw, it must be said, but Kidderminster Harriers do get quite a good draw. They welcome West Ham United to Agra for the second time, 1994, the last time they did so. Uh, Lee Chapman scoring the winner with a header in the 69th minute. We all remember it very, very well, those scenes. And that Reading game that they won to get to this stage was an absolute belter of a football match. We're hoping for very much the same, aren't we? I think this will be a classic FA Cup occasion in terms of the atmosphere, the surroundings. It's going to be a bit of a culture shock for some of those West Ham players. But I think Darren made the point um, after the third round, once the draw was made, this is not the West Ham of old. Uh, the West Ham that go would go to Oxford in midweek and get battered or would get knocked out of the FA Cup by AFC Wimbledon. They've got a lot more about them these days under David Moyes. He'll have them well prepared. They'll be professional. And I actually think they'll end up winning quite comfortably. If they can come through the first... 15, 20 minutes when the crowd are up, the, the, the kiddie players are running off adrenaline. I think if they can see that out, it should be a fairly routine victory for the Premier League. So. Oh, I, I don't think they're going to use kiddie players. They're going to use full-grown adults. <laughs> uh, West Ham have lost the last two, though, after four wins in a row. Uh, Darren, is, is that going to be damaging? And also the fact that they didn't really get too many uh, replenishments in the January transfer window. No, but they tried to sign Pele and Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you joke, but I think that is the issue. I mean, you know, thanks to to, to for bringing up what I said in the, in the last round, but I just think I worry for West Ham. I really do. They cannot possibly achieve their objectives with the squad they've got at the moment. It's too thin. You saw against Manchester United that, and in, in a couple of games now, that Antonio is labouring, he's out of form. When he doesn't score or Jared Bowen doesn't score, too few players are able to step up with any kind of consistency. And there is anger within the West Ham fan base. And I wonder if we could see a little bit of that with the travelling support at Kidderminster because the fans feel a chance has been blown to really transform things for West Ham. And in the summer... Well, in the summer, it might not come again. By the summer, Man United might be stronger. Spurs will be stronger. Arsenal will be stronger too. I think their chance is gone. I think the fans might be right. Yeah, and Manchester United might be stronger because they might try and sign Declan Rice. I thought it was quite interesting, actually, that uh, West Ham went in with a huge bid for, for Calvin Phillips, probably knowing that they weren't going to get him, but to signal their intention that they were interested in him in the summer. Whether or not that move can happen, does that tell us that actually he's trying to partner Phillips and Rice together, or he's trying to replace him, Crookie? I think the latter. Um, I've said it before over the course of the season. If you, if you listen to Declan Rice's post-match interviews without actually coming out and saying, I think I need to leave in the summer, he's basically uh, giving all the indications when he came out after United and said he loves playing at Old Trafford. Obviously, United fans have, have latched onto that, but he, I think he's hinted in the past that maybe his ambitions now have outgrown West Ham and... If he was in any doubt, probably the lack of activity in the transfer window will have made his mind up. Interesting quotes from uh, David Moyes coming out midweek. He said they made three record transfer bids in the January window. The board certainly uh, tried to back him. I think also there was a school of thought by David Moyes that unless they could improve the squad, he wasn't going to bring in, bring in players just to make up the numbers and risk upsetting the harmony in the dressing room. That might be a mistake for the reason that Darren has underlined because Antonio's Antonio's lack of form isn't recent now. It's been going on for quite a few weeks. They've had problems at the heart of the defence. They've missed Cresswell as well. And you have to say at this stage, they're outsiders in terms of the top four. They probably always were. But, I mean, look at Val Veghorst, for example. We'll talk about Burnley later, but Kevin Hatchard, who regularly contributes to this podcast, he says he's a player that could have done a job as backup for Mikel Antonio. So why didn't West Ham go for him? Clearly a player that was gettable in the window. I mean, I love Kevin. You know I've got a huge amount of respect for him, but he also said Timo Werner was fantastic. 
Um, Jared Bowen has got four goals in in four games. No English player has been involved in more Premier League goals this season. They've got Cresswell back, which is important for them because set pieces are a major part of what they do. Craig Dawson has gone close so many times. It is crazy. He will get one soon, folks. He will get one soon. Um, And you talked about uh, Mikel Antonio. One good thing uh, for him over the last week was that he went away with Jamaica Darren and scored. So maybe that might be the start of things because he does score in batches. No, listen, there's, there's there's no doubt about his quality at all. The fact is he just can't do it on his own. You look at all of the other teams that are in contention for a top four place. Spurs have got Son Heung-min and Harry Kane. Uh, Man United have got uh, Rashford and Ronaldo and Cavani and uh, Arsenal have they've lost to Bamiyan, but they've got Martinelli and Lacazette. Arsenal have got, hold on, um, I'm just looking. No one. They're, they're, they're all on loan. They're all on loan. but the players they do have can score goals I I, I just look at West Ham and you know Crook made a point that when we next do a press conference with David Moyes he'll come up with the thing we all expect oh well if we couldn't improve our squad then it wasn't worth getting bodies in no I don't think the fans are having that anymore there were players out there Vikos Abubakar who's scoring goals at the AFCON you know there are players out there that West Ham could have brought in and they will not finish in the top four. It cannot be done up against the calibre of club that they're up against and the depth of strikers that other clubs have. It won't happen. And that's why it's going to be... We'll see. I think we'll see the start of it at Kidderminster, of the fans' anger. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. Watch this space. Listen to this space because that game is live. 12.30, it forms part of game day. We're underway at 11 o'clock live on TalkSport. And that game will be our starting feature. Uh, At 3 o'clock on TalkSport 2 on Saturday, we've got live commentary of Frank Lampard's first game in charge of Everton at Goodison Park. It's all change at Goodison Park. Uh, Lampard in, Joe Edwards in, Chris Jones in, Donny van der Beek in, Deli Alley in, Tim Cahill set for a prominent role. Looks like Ashley Cole is joining the staff as well. Duncan Ferguson, I think, is staying now, although I don't know exactly what his role is going to be, bearing in mind it seems like the England squad from 2006 are assembling behind Frank Lampard. Um, Popular appointment, a good job for him, and a good fit for Everton, Alex? I couldn't say that with any kind of uh, conviction, to be honest. You've been, um, you've been promoting him all week. Why, why have you changed your mind? Because I think the squad is still an issue. Um, and I mentioned this on Tuesday on White and Jordan in the aftermath of the transfer window. It, it went unnoticed, but Everton actually spent another £30 million in that transfer window. I know that was offset by what they got in from Luca Dean. But for me, every player they signed has questions to answer. Mikelenko doesn't yet know the league, didn't exactly start in sparkling fashion on his debut. Uh, Nathan Patterson, I think, has played almost as many games for Scotland as he did for Glasgow Rangers. Donny van der Beek, Manchester United fans have taken him to their heart, even though he's barely kicked a ball for the club. So there's a reason why three managers, if you include Michael Garrick, have decided that he's not up to the rigours of the Premier League. Deli Alley isn't the Deli Alley of two years ago. So I think they've taken a leap of faith in a lot of the signings they've made. They've Cheer taken up. a leap of faith Cheer in up. Lampard as well. It's, it's not Cheer a great up. Everton squad. It's Cheer not up. a great Everton squad. Cheer up, come on. The Ever- I've spent a lot of time with Everton fans over the last couple of days. They're all absolutely buzzing for this. They're thinking about a change of formation, a change of attitude. They've got good players. Damari Gray is a good player. Andros Townsend is a good player. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is coming back to full fitness. Okay, Dekoure's out, and that is a problem. I think defensively, there's a massive issue there. Left-back is a problem. They've only got one, that's Mikalenko, and he doesn't know the league, and, and Crook's absolutely right on that. Right-back's a bit of an issue in the fact that Nathan Patterson still hasn't made his debut because of COVID issues. But, uh, Seamus Coleman's, Coleman's there, and, and Kenny, I'm not entirely sure about those two. But they've got three central defenders. I think they'll. a lot of talk has been 4-3-3, reverting to that sort of shape. I think actually they'll go three at the back with wing-backs either side. They might even play Damari Gray as a wing-back to start with. It's all going to be about getting crosses into Richarlison and Gray, getting them on the front foot, engaging the passion of the support. And if they can do that, Darren, then there's every chance that they will stay in this league. They will stay in this league anyway, won't they? Absolutely. I, I, I don't like this. If we don't like a player, he doesn't know the league. Vikorst, you just talked him up. He doesn't know the league. Exactly. So what's the difference between Vikorst and Mikalenko? Well, Mikalenko, I didn't uh, slag off Mikalenko. I've actually been on record saying that he is a very good signing for Everton. No, sorry, I think it's very you. difficult for him to come into the league and this situation Absolutely. at this time. But I agree. if he takes to it, 
if he takes to it, then it's going to be fantastic. I, I think Vigos will uh, be uh, have a struggle as well, actually, but we'll talk about that in, in just a moment because I'm not entirely it's, convinced that it's the great transition. But before you answer, let me just point out to you, Luis Suarez didn't know the league, came to this country, ripped it up. Vidic signed for Man United in the January. If you, if you recall. It has been a bit different over the last couple of years, players coming in from abroad and, and settling immediately. I think maybe actually enhanced by the fact that the, the pandemic has, uh, hasn't made it as easy to settle for people. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. But if a player has quality, he has quality. It's just that really, have we become less patient with some of these I, I, well, <laughs> I think we've become less patient uh, completely with everything, haven't we? You know, <laughs> absolutely. We had a prime yeah, minister for about ten minutes. Get rid of him. We've had a manager for fifteen games. Get rid of him. It's like <laughs> we've become a very sort of um, impatient culture in all uh, walks of absolutely. life. Absolutely. But Everton can't afford to be patient. You know, they are in a relegation battle. I don't think they'll go down. Um, and then you use Vidic as an example there. He was appalling for the first six months at Manchester United. You're right, he was acclimatising, but Mikelenko needs time to acclimatise. Listen, before you accuse me of being Dr. Doom, I hope it works out for Frank Lampard. I think it's the best appointment that Everton could have made at this time. I think Vitor Pereira would have been an unmitigated disaster. I think it's great to see a young English manager get the opportunity. I think he did brilliantly in his first season at Chelsea and maybe that is under the radar because of what happened in the second season. So I hope he does well. But what I'm saying is, it's not a guarantee. It's not a give me. Oversized, oversized vehicle reversing. <laughs> oh, well, it's great to be back, by the way, boys. This is, this is, this is the kind of stuff that we've missed. Um, by the way, I think it is worth announcing, Darren, at this stage of proceedings, that uh, Alex Crook, uh, whilst all of us will be concentrating on the FA Cup football this weekend, Alex Crook will be uh, stepping into the shoes of the Dancing on Ice commentary box this Sunday. Are you looking forward to it? Probably about as much as the West Ham players are looking forward to going to Kidderminster. No, I am. Listen, I'm, I'm nervously excited. I've been there with you, the master, the last couple of weeks. We got the list of songs through yesterday. I said to you, any, any puns you can recommend? And suddenly my phone was going off every five seconds. So, listen, it's a tough act to follow, but I'm up for the challenge. Good luck to you, I by the way. I think yeah. you'll be brilliant. Good I think luck. you'll be great. And if you're not, and the series gets cancelled, we'll all blame you. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's Sunday night on ITV. I Lampard sends his regards, Crook. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Frank Lampard's just turned. Frank Frank Lampard's just turned to Christine Bleakley, who ironically uh, used to uh, present um, a Dancing on Ice back in the day, and she's just said, "Yeah, but he doesn't really know the game." To be honest with you, <laughs> it, it's going to take him a little while to acclimatise. <laughs> right, let's move on. I hope he does well. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. 
Burnley against Watford is live on TalkSport, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. It's the only Premier League game of the weekend. It's one of those rearranged ones. In fact, uh, today we've, we've learned that there's quite a few rearranged games that are going to be going on during uh, the February half term, which is the third week in February, the last week in February, and it's going to be sort of clashing with um, Champions League football as well. So it's going to be quite a congested period, I think, over the next uh, few weeks and months. Uh, Burnley have got a lot of games to make up, but they've been bolstered by the return of Maxwell Cornet and... Wout Weghorst arrived to bolster uh, a, a team with a re- respectable goal-scoring record. 81 goals in uh, 141 matches, if my memory serves me right, in the Bundesliga. Something like that. A very good record. He's six foot six. Can he step into Chris Wood's sizable shoes, Crookie? It was quite funny, actually, because when I was in uh, TalkSport Towers on Monday, the newsreader in his bulletins kept saying that Sean Dyche believes this is a, you know, a step into a new direction for Burnley. Not really. <laughs> You've signed a six-foot-six English striker. I'd say that's playing exactly to type, uh, to be honest. So he is a direct replacement for Chris Wood. Kevin Hatchard says he's brilliant, but then he says everybody who comes out of the Bundesliga is brilliant. Will it be enough to keep Burnley in the Premier League? Probably not. Um, they've had a problem scoring goals, don't they, Burnley? 16 goals in 18 games. That is not enough if you want to stay in the Premier League, Darren. No, it's not. And they can't keep clean sheets either. Um, Only one in their last four matches, two in their last six. I think as far as Vigost is concerned, he's decent. I think it gives you a fairly clear indication of the way that they want to play. But Darren, if he was that decent, somebody else would have signed him. Yeah, but then again, I look at Maxwell Cornet and he looks like a player who could do a job much, much higher up the league. So sometimes players come to one club just to find their feet and then they make their way up the league to much bigger clubs. At least they've signed a player, Burnley, because I must admit I was very worried about the fact that they weren't going to sign anybody and they were going to just drift into uh, I just think it won't be pretty. I just think it won't be pretty. Yeah, I think there'll be set pieces. I think there'll be balls into the box and they'll have a very clearly defined way of playing. But their games in hand could work in their favour given the games they've got coming up. Talking of things that won't be pretty, uh, despite the fact that he was talking about mermaids in his press conference, I I doubt that Watford will be that pretty. I think they've probably got more of a chance of staying up actually because I think their recruitment has been okay during the January transfer window. They did a lot very early. But also because I think they've got the best front three out of all of those teams that are struggling in the bottom to stay in the division crook yeah and Ishmael's SARS return to fitness will be a big boost um, for them obviously once the African Cup of Nations is over um, I think they've got a chance I think if I was a Newcastle fan I'd be buoyed by what they did in the transfer window I thought it was quite sensible recruitment despite the fact in some quarters it's been labelled unexciting I think unexciting is probably what they need at this moment in time but the presence of Roy Hodgson on the touchline at Vicarage Road gives Watford a fighting chance. You're right, they will score goals. They haven't had a massive issue in that respect all season. It's been at the other end, defensive mistakes. And we know uh, one thing Roy Hodgson will be is pragmatic and will sort out that back line. Do you know what? I, again, in a cynical football world, it, it warmed the heart seeing Roy Hodgson back on the training pitch his first session. He, he looked refreshed. He looked like he still got his enthusiasm. And who cares that he's 198? I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I think it's great because I think it's great for Watford. It's the best appointment they've made ever uh, since they've been back in the Premier League. That's a big claim. Who else is better than him? They've just appointed an England manager, a former England manager, someone who's worked at Fulham, Liverpool, West Brom. He always delivers at a club like Watford. He's got Ray Lewington alongside, who's a Watford man. They've, as far as I understand it, they've been on the training ground and the players are absolutely loving the first few sessions. They will get repetitive, by the way, because that's what they do. They drill, they drill, they drill. But they're all very enthusiastic about um, doing the job. And also, it's a very short-term appointment. Everyone knows that. It's not going to be there for 100 years. He's going to be there till the end of the season if they stay up. Maybe next season maximum. But ultimately, this is the best appointment that they could have made. He knows the league. He knows how to make an instant impact get players keeping clean sheets and get them on the right road to survival I, I actually give Watford more chance of staying up than any of the others at the moment Darren you, you looked at, you, you went you. straight yeah. up to your camera then and went looking lovingly into my <laughs> eyes why was that was it because you were just captivated by what I was saying or were you like I was, okay I was very I'm interested how he's going to come and justify that one <laughs> Normally, I wait my turn and I'm preparing what I'm going to say in my head. But actually, I was just listening to what you were saying because I agreed with every word. I think regardless of what you think of Watford or the players and their way of doing things and the chaos under Claudio Ranieri, who should never have been appointed. And and I have my own views about the fact that, you know, this is Roy Hodgson's 20th 
job, uh, some of which he's gone back to granted, but you throw in Finland and the UAE and England, this guy gets job after job after job. And there's a whole generation of players who can't get jobs. There are lots of black players who can't get jobs, you know. But I would probably be more scathing in that regard of Claudio Ranieri, who gets chance after chance, rather than Hodgson, who goes to clubs like these, and does the job. Yeah, because his record is good. He will do the job. He's, he's, Steve, he's outstanding. And he gets players organised. He gets them focused. I think the novelty will wear off eventually. So I think the six-month deal does work for both parties, even though he wants to look work for longer. But um, Watford are a basket case of a club, and they just want to stay up, and he'll do that for them. Yeah, I mean, then, listen... What better to motivate you than uh, Friday night before a game, putting on the Little Mermaid on the coach. I'm sure it'll be singing Under the Sea uh, all the way up to Burnley on Saturday night. Uh, also Let's Saturday, hope it goes ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, well, if there's any sort of danger uh, that, uh, you know, about V-Course isn't ready to make his debut, then maybe Burnley will uh, have a COVID outbreak or something. Tottenham against Brighton kicks off at 8 o'clock also on Saturday night. Um, I really like Ben Tancourt. Because I saw him in the uh, World Cup in 2018. I thought he was terrific. He's been good for Uruguay recently as well. He's a young player. He's very tall. He's very thin. He's very elegant on the ball. He sort of played at the base of the midfield for Uruguay during that 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 tournament. But that was a one bright spot on what has been a tragic Tottenham Hotspur transfer window. Um, the fallout continues. Steve Hitchin has gone as the head of recruitment, chief scout, whatever he was doing uh, from 2017 onwards. He was in that Amazon documentary. And I always thought when I was looking, is, is there not more to it than, than that? Is it, there must be more to it than that, right? Um, what's the impact on Antonio Conte, do you think? I think he's been ruthless in getting out the players that he didn't want. I think he's been decisive in uh, basically not persevering with some of the players who lots of other managers have given chances to. Um, the two players that he's brought in enables him to play with a two uh, and he'll use Son Heung-min as a striker going forward. He'll play with a 3-5-2, Davis, Dyer and Romero, who's fit again at the back, Reguil on left wing back and Emerson Royal right wing back. So so just to clar- clarify, you don't think, you don't agree with my assessment that it was a tragic window? No, I don't. I don't no. either. Really? I don't because okay, interesting. Look, look, as far as Diaz is concerned, what can you do if you're Spurs when a Liverpool come along who can offer Champions League football and to co- the chance to compete for the title every season? But don't you uh, not what, think that when Antonio Conte took this job, he was expecting a lot more investment in January? And the reason I say it's a tragic window, one thing that concerns me is, is that I don't think that they have delivered what they promised him when he walked in the door. And if that's the case, will he walk out of that door in the summer? I don't think he will. I, I think he'll stay. I think they'll give him more money in the summer. I think he took the job on the basis that he would have to sell to buy, but they couldn't get enough takers for the players that they wanted. I still think they'll continue selling players and raising the funds to be able to go out. I'm more disappointed with Paratici, the director of football, than Spurs, because Spurs tasked Paratici with going out and bringing in the players. It was in November that they lost to Mura, and at the time he said there's not enough quality content in the team. Um, now, between then and the end of January, Paratici should have had more options on the table yeah. rather than having to go back to his old club for two players he signed for them to bring to Spurs. So I'm more disappointed in him than I am in the club. But I think as He does far work as for the club. He is, he, he is the... Yeah, but before it was Daniel Levy, you know, vetoing deals and rummaging around the bargain basement, he's handed all of that to Paratici. Hitchens gone because the Paratici's basically eased him out of the picture and is doing all of the deals. But either way, I think just as Conti's been ruthless in getting players out, he'll manage up as well as down and say in the summer, look, this is what I want and this is what I want you to do to keep me. And then if they can't do it, he'll leave. But I don't think he'll just walk out before maybe having a very, very serious conversation because this is the chance for Spurs to decide what kind of club they want to be. They won't do better than Conte in terms of a manager. Crook? I don't think Steve Hitchin can have too many complaints. You just said he's been there for five years. Their recruitment's been a shambles in those five years. I so agree. 
that was an easy decision, I think, to be made. Um, I agree with Darren. I think Antonio Conte has been around the block enough times to know that January is a difficult market to trade in. They did try uh, with Diaz, but actually just ended up doing Liverpool's bidding for them and just uh, brought forward a transfer that would have happened in the summer anyway. Adama Traore was a bit of a faff. Um, had they have just paid £20 million earlier in the window, that deal would probably have gone through before he had the chance to have his head turned by Barcelona, but they have cleansed the dressing room and they've got rid of some bad eggs there in their eyes to try and make it a much more harmonious environment. They'll get rid of more players in the summer and I think they will look a lot stronger by the end of the summer transfer window. If they don't, then Antonio Conte's position will be in doubt. Having said that, the short-term objective is to qualify for the top four. And I said this on TalkSport on Tuesday, without signing a player, if you look at the contenders for the top four, Manchester United had the best transfer window. That's the thing that I don't understand. When I say that they've had a tragic window, the guy walked in and said there wasn't enough quality to be able to bridge the gap between them and Chelsea, for example, because they played them four times and they were. he was talking after the semi-final. Now they're in a situation where there is an opportunity here, right? There's, there's no doubt about it. Top four is available. It's available for Arsenal. It's available for West Ham. It's available for Manchester United. It's a, a, available for Tottenham Hotspur. Now... Arguably, none of those clubs, and you've just outlined the, the situation at Manchester United, they don't have to go because they've already got the resources, but none of the other clubs have done anything in the transfer window to suggest that they're really going to make a go for it when they could have done. Would that not be a fair accusation? Well, I, I think Spurs have because Benton Kerr is a quality player. He's won the league three times with Juventus. He's a uh, Uruguay international. He will add steel to that midfield that they didn't have. But the, look think, how long it took Jorginho to, uh, to to adapt to the Premier League. It's a, a faster pace of the game, Darren. It's, it, every so, player is different. Every player is different. That's true. And some players take a longer period than others. I'm quite excited about seeing him play. Uh, and uh, we'll see. But I think the, the, the poor quality of the Spurs side suggests he's going to go in straight away mm. and he'll get the opportunity to find his feet almost immediately. Likewise, um, Kulusevsky. So uh, I think they'll get that chance to acclimatise, but I'm less pessimistic about Spurs. I think they've been decisive. Had they not got those players out, we'd have been moaning about them and saying, oh, they're stuck with all those players who are not doing well. They've cleared them out. They've got a deal for Deli Alley. That means that they could get £40 million if Lampard turns them into a player again. That's good business. I think as far as Conte is concerned, he's not saddled with people poisoning the dressing room because they're not getting a game. I think that's good business. So, look, Son, as a striker, will be outstanding. He, I think he could walk into any team in the country, bar none. And I include Manchester City in that. He is that good. I think him as a striker alongside Kane and Kulusevsky in a position that Son used to occupy, to me, that says to me that Spurs have reconfigured their side to give themselves the goals and the chance to get into the top four. OK, well, let's see what happens. Uh, good luck to them uh, in doing that. And let's see what happens on Saturday night when they take on Brighton. We lost Dan Byrne in the window. Uh, how, how do you assess them going forward. They're ninth, aren't they, in the in the Premier League. They're not going to go down. They've got 30 points. Uh, they're very, very comfortable. They could finish in the top 10, uh, Crookie. But ultimately, this is an opportunity for them to try and challenge for a trophy. Yeah, the window from a Brighton perspective was, was uh, as predicted, really. There was vague interest in Tarek Lamptey and Eve Basuma, but those aren't deals that you can do in January. I'd keep a, a close eye on Basuma, in particular when the summer comes around, because he'll only have a year left on his contract. Dan Byrne, was a bit from left field, as, as Graham Potter himself, in a very classy departing statement from Brighton, said they weren't looking uh, to get rid of him, but when a chance to play for your boyhood club comes around, they couldn't stand in his way. They've also made uh, a decent profit on what they paid to sign him from Plymouth. Lewis Dunk is back in contention, could well play at the weekend, so Dan Byrne wouldn't have been a regular anyway. They're still... Lacking a bit in terms of goals, relying on um, Mope and, and Danny Welbeck, in particular Welbeck, to stay fit. But I think they should be targeting an FA Cup. I hope it's a strong Brighton team because they're not in any threat of relegation. I spoke to uh, Solly March a few weeks ago and he said we're not really European contenders. It's silly to suggest we are. So if you're not going to have a go at the FA Cup, then the season basically ends if they lose this weekend. So let's put a strong team out of you, Graham Potter, and let's have a real go. Um, this one could go to uh, extra time and penalties, bearing in mind that seven of Brighton's last 10 League and Cup games have finished 1-1 in 90 minutes. Uh, so the drawbackers will be piling in now. Right, OK, let's move on to Sunday in Liverpool. 
Towards the edge of the penalty area, and here's a chance, and it's tucked in by Gordon, and Liverpool are level. Kerry Gordon with his first senior goal. Bradley pulls it back, Canate's first time effort, Firmino is backheeled it in! That is absolutely outrageous! You want to see the best players playing. You want to see them giving it a real good goal like the other top sides of the Premier League do. And I want to see that from Jurgen Klopp a lot more for whatever tenure he's going to stay, whether it's the next two or three years. I want to see him try to win this trophy. Watch a save from Woodman, but it's headed in on the rebound by Aidan Flint. Swings in the delivery towards Flint at the far post. Could fall for Colwell! Ruben Colwell! What a moment for the 19-year-old! If you don't enjoy football, if you don't enjoy the FA Cup, honestly, I don't know what's the matter with you. Well, I suppose this is all about what uh, team Liverpool pick on Sunday at midday, very early. Um, why is it so early? Midday on Sunday, Liverpool against Cardiff. Well, it's because the television wants to put this game on, but this is such a congested weekend of live sport and terrestrial television. There is Rugby Union Six Nations that uh, starts this weekend, plus the FA Cup fourth round. So the BBC and ITV, who now hold the rights to both those two big events, are struggling to find slots to put everything in, especially with Dancing on Ice taking up uh, the six till eight slot, Crookie. Um, so um, it's, it's sort of difficult to fit all the pieces of the jigsaw around. So this is Sunday, live on ITV and, of course, uh, live on TalkSport. It's brilliant, actually, because of the games all spread out. It means that TalkSport's got quite a good sort of raft of coverage over the uh, three days of the weekend. Cardiff have been struggling a little bit. Six of their last seven uh, away trips in the league um, have included both teams to score. And if Liverpool get on the score sheet, Darren, which you expect them uh, to do, then it's very likely that they'll progress into the next round of a competition in which they haven't very often progressed in. Yeah, they haven't progressed in the past, but I think because City are going to win the league, um, they... <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm a realist. I, I'm not going to kid myself. City are just too good. But I think if City, if Liverpool end the season with one, obviously the Carabao Cup, they're in the final, they end the season with two trophies. That culture of winning continues. And I don't think that anybody would be too unhappy. And then they basically regroup for another title challenge again next season. The interesting thing about this game is that I expect some of the kids and the rising stars to play. Your Quiva Kellehers, your Nico Williams, your Curtis Jones. I expect some of those players to play. I do think Diaz will start. I'll be surprised if he doesn't because he'll need to get acclimatised to English football as quickly as possible. Harvey Elliott's fit again. I would expect him to be uh, playing some part and Jota up front. And I think the more that forward line plays together, the more used to their game they'll get. But I still think Liverpool will be too good. Yeah, I mean, £37.5 million for a player of what appears to be his quality seems to be quite a snip. It's another win for the Liverpool recruitment department. He's a player who plays on that sort of left-hand side. will take a little bit of a pressure off Sadio Mane, who's not available uh, for um, uh, Liverpool this weekend because he's involved in the final of the Africa Cup of Nations. I mean, Can I just say, Sam, you know, um, do, <laughs> we know that Liverpool hijacked Diaz from Spurs. And yeah, sort of. Daniel Levy at Spurs basically told the sporting director that he would complain to Liverpool's owners about their conduct. And da- Daniel Levy said he's going to complain to Liverpool about their. Yeah, Sam Wallace, my colleague in, in, in the Telegraph, has done a really good analysis of it. And um, it's a little bit like if somebody was to complain to me about pulling off a great exclusive. And he would go to my boss and say, my goodness, it's disgusting that he's gone and got that. My boss would say, great, well done. Have a pay rise. (laughs) As if Liverpool are going to be upset with their sporting negotiators for pulling out of the bag an outstanding signing like Luis Diaz. Absolutely delusional. Yeah. And it does sort of make you wonder, really, what sort of world Daniel Levy lives in. Um, Interesting. Um, okay, it does, it does it does raise question marks? I think about the future of Sadio Mane. You mentioned about taking the pressure off Sadio Mane. I think we're in a situation now where maybe it's difficult for Liverpool to dish out big money new contracts to both Salah and Mane, given the uh, disposal, the riches at their disposal up front. So keep an eye on that one. And by the way, yeah. it is a good decision from ITV to keep dancing on ice 
uh, in the regular <laughs> slot. Uh, not just because I'm on it, but watching Bez uh, and his crash helmet will be far more entertaining than watching Cardiff. Speaking of crash helmets, I've seen them live twice this season. They are dreadful. Um, oh, Steve Morrison's in charge there. I mean, it's all pretty rudimentary, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the midfielders will spend a lot of time looking up to the Merseyside sky. Let's put it that way. Uh, right. Okay. Well, you've you've sold it. You've sold it to everybody. Um, that game's live on Talksport. You can listen to it via our app. Loads of games, by the way, on Talksport this weekend. Talksport, Talksport Two. You can flick between the two stations if you listen uh, to our app, um, including also on Sunday. I think this is a much better, uh, um, not much better watch, but necessarily, but maybe a game which captures the imagination a little bit more. The old rivalry from the East Midlands, Nottingham Forest against Leicester City at four o'clock. What do we think of this one, Darren? Well, you can't write off Forrest having put out Arsenal in the third round and they're a team of goals in them, discipline, they've got real energy. We saw them live on TV and they were impressive. Uh, Steve Cooper's done a fantastic job there and I think as far as Leicester are concerned, they've got that soft centre that Liverpool were able to take advantage of in the Carabao Cup. And they can score goals, as we know. They do have quality players in the midfield, but some of their goal scorers are at the AFCON. Um, and in Diddy, obviously, I think he's just come back, so I don't know if he's going to play. Um, that would be interesting to see whether he does feature, but I wouldn't write Forrest off in this game at all. Yep, and... Uh... The Foxes have failed to hold on to leads in the last two Premier League matches. They've conceded 12 goals in the last three away games. And Nottingham Forest, very well organised under uh, Steve Cooper. I particularly like Jed Spence, who plays on the right-hand side. He gets up and down a lot. He's athletic. He's got great delivery from that right-hand side. He's got defensive nous as well. He's on loan from Middlesbrough. Didn't work out from Middlesbrough. And there was a little suggestion that he might go back to Middlesbrough uh, in uh, the January transfer window. That was available to him. They decided between the two clubs that that wasn't going to be the case because actually Isaiah Jones has done well at Middlesbrough. Jed Spence has got a, a first-team place at Nottingham Forest. It works for both. Middlesbrough are quite happy for him to sit there and accumulate growth in terms of um, as an asset. He will mature. Maybe they'll end up selling him in the summer, but he's been a very good player. Obviously, they've signed Keenan Davis from from Aston Villa as well, who came on, who started actually the, the last round against Arsenal and Graben, who came on and got the winner in that game is a goal threat and has been a goal threat. Uh, so Leicester have to be on their mark. And for the holders, actually, not to have a sustained FA Cup campaign when they're playing a championship opposition, that would be another black mark against um, Brendan Rodgers, wouldn't it? Because they haven't had the best of seasons, Crook, and maybe in the old sort of Arsene Wenger way, the FA Cup could save them. Yeah, there have been mitigating circumstances. I actually think their season collapsed when Fafana picked up that injury after a shocking challenge in, in pre-season. Uh, and, and as a manager, you can't really legislate for something like that in a friendly match. I was surprised they didn't dip into the window in January. I've mentioned Nat Phillips, Joe Roden. I think Spurs were open to letting him go out and loan surely a player that could improve Leicester in terms of defensive options. Weren't Arsenal the cup holders when Nottingham Forest knocked them out a, a few years ago? Yes, um, they were. So, so there's a little bit of history to be repeated here. I think if, if you're going to ask for our potential upset of the weekend, this is a, a definite possibility for the reasons that you've just suggested. Another player to keep an eye on is Brennan Johnson at Nottingham Forest, who uh, was subject to two or three big money bids from Brentford in the window. And Forest, yeah. to be fair, held firm. And then there's a real show of faith in, in Steve Cooper, who's had an excellent run of results since he got there. This is going to be a difficult afternoon for Leicester. And if they don't win, suddenly uh, their season comes down to the Europa Conference League. I'm not sure we would, we'd have been saying that in August. Well, nor would Brendan Rodgers, because he didn't even know what it was until <laughs> the end of uh, December. Um, uh, I think the upset of the weekend, and this is bold, right? This is a bold claim. This is a crookie bold claim. Crookie's bold claim. Thanks, Lucy. Um, Bournemouth against Boreham Wood. On Sunday, 6.30. Now, Borenwood, non-league, one of the lowest ranked teams in the competition, are absolutely brilliant. They are a very, very good team. They're towards the top end of the conference. They could all end up getting uh, promoted this year, possibly. You never know. They haven't lost a game at home all season. They've conceded just 15 goals in their last 23 league matches. I've seen them a couple of times this campaign. Luke Garrett has got them very, very well organised. And you know what? They are a belligerent bunch. 
Any chance that they could expose Bournemouth, who at times haven't been, haven't been the most resolute, Crookie? Maybe. Um, but despite Adrian Durham's whinging and moaning on TalkSport, they had a really good transfer deadline day. Bournemouth brought in five players, some of real Premier League quality. So the squad is a lot deeper now than it was um, going into deadline day. So I'd imagine Scott Parker can afford to put out a fairly strong team uh, in this competition. The championship is the priority, no question about that. But they went to Yeovil uh, in the last round, which again was a potential banana skin, an excellent hat-trick from uh, Emiliano Marcondes, who can't get in Bournemouth starting 11, maybe uh, epitomising just how much quality they do have. So I think at home, I think Bournemouth will have enough. If the game was uh, in Hertfordshire, maybe I would go along with you, but I think the Cherries will win this. Darren, any chance? Living the dream well, there. I, I, I might FA just be a little bit contrary and say that, um, it, yes, they've had a really good transfer window, but it'd be interesting to see what sort of side they put out. Will they play some of these players straight away so that they can get uh, hit the ground running? And could Bournemouth maybe take advantage of the fact that those players, as good as they might be, are still getting used to the game of the established Bournemouth players? Anyway, so it's not like you're going to a major Premier League ground or a Championship ground, is it? I mean, basically, Bournemouth Woods ground is the same size as Dean Court, I think. Oh, there, there is it? Like 11,000. It certainly feels like that when you're there. I mean, Dean Court's like <laughs> tiny, isn't it? You know, let's be honest. It's like, you know, there's a little clubhouse in the corner. There's an old girl selling raffle tickets, something Bit like that. Bit of creative license there from yeah. uh, our esteemed yeah, host, yeah, I think. You know, it's, 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 it's equitable. Wouldn't look out of place in the conference, would it? Let's be honest. Dean Court. Aren't, aren't you mates with some of the Bournemouth hierarchy? You're just <laughs> slamming their football club here. <laughs> no, I'm not slamming the football club. It's the stadium that uh, I always think is just a little bit, you know, dated. Go on, sorry, I interrupted you. No, listen, I think you've probably stolen my thunder a bit, actually. More, I want to listen to you more than uh, myself, so you go ahead. <laughs> I'll move on quickly. Uh, I didn't mean it. Love you all. Um, Chelsea versus Plymouth is 12.30 uh, on Saturday. It's the same time as everybody will be tuning in for Kidderminster versus West Ham. I mean, who who's going to Chelsea this weekend? <laughs> oh, you're doing that one, Crookie, are you? When West Ham are 5 0 up after half an hour, everyone will switch over to TalkSport 2. Tune into TalkSport 2 yeah. on the app. Yeah. Um, 6,000 Plymouth fans amongst the sellout crowd at Stamper Bridge. Yeah. Brilliant. 40,000 people at Stamper Bridge for an Well FA done Cup for Chelsea for, for putting decent ticket prices uh, in yeah. place for that game. Fantastic. And Plymouth, I mean, they're used to clocking out the miles from their base in Devon anyway, but certainly in this FA Cup run, this is the. Uh, uh, fourth round running because, of course, uh, League One teams come in in round one where they've been drawn uh, away from home. In fact, they've played eight of their last 10 games in all competitions away from home parks. So that won't bring any fear. Um, they're, they're a decent enough side in, in League One. Obviously, they lost their manager, Ryan Lowe, earlier this season to Preston. That was a blow for them. Not quite the same force, but they do have a, a couple of players who could potentially cause Chelsea problems. Luke Jeffcott has scored in each of his last uh, three games. Ryan Hardy, their top scorer, has 12 goals and they've also got Jordan Houghton, Chertsey-born, former Chelsea Academy player who might have a point to prove. Having said that, Chelsea will win. Jordan is a brilliant number four, probably the best number four in League One. He, he sits at the base of the midfield, he sprays passes around, he dictates play. He's played at Stamford Bridge a lot because, as you say, he was a Chelsea FA Youth Cup winning captain at, at one stage. Big mates with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Andreas Christensen who are in the same youth team as him. He's got a point to prove going back to uh, to Chelsea. In fact, his brother James, James Houghton, is still a coach at Chelsea, but will be in the away end this weekend supporting his brother playing for Plymouth. I mean, if anyone can buy a half and half scarf, it's definitely going to be him. Um, what about Chelsea? Uh, like Liverpool, Manchester United, they, they've probably got to target as many trophies as they can because as Darren has already told us Manchester City have won the league. Um, how will they be affected by the loss of Joe Edwards leaving the coaching staff? Will it be that significant? Um, Anthony Barry, I think at the moment, is going to stay as part of Thomas Tuchel's team and not join up with Frank Lampard. Ashley Cole looks like he's going to Everton, leaving Chelsea, but he wasn't really working with the team anyway. He was he was sort of marshalling lone players and, and, and having a different role at the club. So do you think there'll be any impact from any of the departures? No, I think they'll know their jobs. They'll win. Um, this is an opportunity for them to score some goals, um, and they'll they'll be a class. Who's going to do that? 
Well, I think we'll see. <laughs> I think it'll be a, a, a Lukaku may well fill his boots actually um, against um, Plymouth. It, it, he'll be too good for them. I, I, I know we like to set these games up as though they're potential banana skins, but they will be a class above Plymouth. It will be a major, major shock if Plymouth get anything out of this game. I mean, and if, I think- if Plymouth gets something out of this game, it's, it's like, I don't know, someone rolling a ball through a six-yard box. And, and and somehow a striker missing the target. I mean, that that would almost be as surprising, yeah. wouldn't it? You know, it's like a, missing, missing an open goal. I mean, who would do that? <laughs> All I'm saying is that as far as Chelsea are concerned, this is the kind of easy game, in their opinion, that they would welcome on the way to getting to the latter stages of the competition. And with the quality that they have at their disposal, even their second team, would be too good. I remember tweeting earlier in the season that Chelsea's bench would are better than Tottenham's team. Well, Chelsea's bench would be good enough to beat the Plymouth team. And I don't say that when any kind of disrespect. I'm just trying to be realistic about the fact that there probably will be giant killings this weekend, but not at Stamford Bridge. Okay, all right. Uh, very optimistic, Darren Lewis. Crookie, do you want to add anything to that? I was just to say, Chelsea don't have a Premier League game in midweek, do they? Because I think they're jetting off to the Club, Club World, World Cup. Cup. So I wonder if that might have a bearing in, in Thomas Tuchel's team selection. Maybe he will feel that he could go a bit stronger uh, than normal. Yeah, interesting. And then that Club World Cup is uh, going to be on Channel 4, dipping their toe uh, into men's football. I know they've done quite a bit of women's football recently, but uh, men's football is not something you see very often on Channel 4, especially not club football. Um, so interesting, interesting. Changes in developments. I noticed that there was a big change in the broadcasting landscape this week when uh, Discovery looks as if they're in a, uh, a relationship with BT Sport. That could be interesting as well, couldn't it? Because it creates a sort of second big juggernaut rather than just, you know, what we've had over the course of many, many years a broadcaster in Sky who's massive and does loads of different things apart from just the football. And then you've always had just one sort of add-on channel uh, which uh, takes some of the other um, football games away from them. But now you're looking at uh, a huge sort of conglomerate of uh, live sport with you know, not only the Premier League, the Champions League, but the Olympics as well, which Discovery already have. So. Well, I think the most interesting element is it will probably reduce the amount of money that football fans have to pay on subscriptions. And it is a bit ridiculous now, the number of different... Uh, accounts that you need just to be able to keep up to date with all the, all the football. So that can only be a positive thing for the consumer. Yeah, because, I mean, you can get the Olympics and the uh, Champions League and the uh, Premier League all under one roof. That might well be the way we, we go in the future. We'll see. Like um, Toys R Us, but with football. I don't think anyone's was... been to Toys R Us for about 50 years. <laughs> no, but that was, their, that was their song, wasn't it? All under one roof. I, I don't know. Toys R Us, Toys R Us. Okay. Uh, should we go back to Balls or Us? Um, Wolves against uh, Norwich kicks off at three o'clock on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I was looking for a tenth game of interest, and it was quite difficult. Uh, I plucked out Wolves Norwich because you know they're both in the Premier League. I couldn't really think of anything else. Um, this is not the most exciting game in the FA Cup, especially if you're Norwich. I mean, how, if you're Norwich, how do you approach this? Because you don't really want to be in it, do you? No, they were quite lucky to get through the last round uh, away from home against Charlton where they scored a rare goal. Obviously, they picked up a, a big Premier League win since then to give themselves a, a chance of being in the conversation for survival. I still don't think they've got the quality. I've made that pretty clear all season. Wolves are an interesting case point. Uh, they kept hold of uh, Ruben Neves in the transfer window. There were, there were strong interests from not just the Premier League, but from Barcelona as well, as I understand it, although nobody made a firm bid for him. But there are one or two Wolverhampton Wanderers players attracting interest in the summer. Nelson Semedo is on the radar of Atletico Madrid as they look to replace Kieran Trippier. And I was told that Max Kilman is a player who is attracting interest from the very top of the Premier League as well. So uh, keep an eye out for Wolves in the summer. I think Bruno Large quietly has been one of the managers of the season. They are in with a chance of European football and another team like Brighton, who should take this FA Cup very seriously. It was only a couple of years ago they got to the semi-final, that incredible game where they managed to lose at Wembley against Watford. Brilliant game. Their fans are amongst the most loyal in the business. They deserve a decent cup run, and I think they'll beat Norwich, and there will be a team to watch out for moving forward. And Neves, I see this morning, is is linked with a move to Arsenal in the summer as well, isn't he? Yeah, I said, I said big clubs. 
<laughs> well, that, that's quite interesting because if you look at Wolves, they've got the second best defensive record in the Premier League. And I think they're a good outside shout for a top four place. If they were to finish in the top four, why would a Ruben Neves want to go to an Arsenal? Top four? That is a bold claim, isn't it? Why is it a bold claim? Well, no, I'm, because no They've one's mentioned it. have got a better defensive them, record I mean, I did a, than all of the other teams that are competing for the top But four. how many goals have they scored over the course of the season? Well, yeah, listen, one nil's in clean sheets. Binary, you can probably yeah. win you the league. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the bar's being raised by City, but the point I'm trying to make is that they don't have to be serial thrillers. All they need to do is continue keeping clean sheets, grab the old goal, They'd be in much better shape than any of the teams above them. I think they've got games in hand over one or two as well. I, I've so, been impressed with them. I think Jose Sarr has been a terrific replacement for Rui Patricio. I mean, everyone probably panicked when he first departed the scene, but he cost half of the amount of Rui Patricio, and he's on half the wages of Rui Patricio. He plays out from the back. You know, his distribution is good. He makes good saves. He's a commanding presence at the back. He's done very well. And defensively, they, as you've already mentioned, they've been superb. Kilman's one of those who came into the team. No one, no one talks about him, ever. No one mentions his name, ever. But, you know, I suppose that's a sign of a very good professional who just comes in and gets the job done. Yeah. Talking of which, you, th you two, great professionals that just get the job done, don't you? Thank you very much. Apart from Crook, who keeps putting his microphone next to an electric appliance, so we get a little whisper of a ghost in the background. I mean, his mic discipline's got to improve. Can you make sure you don't do that uh, on Sunday night when you're at Dancing on Ice? Is that okay? I'll do my best. Thank you very much. Uh, Darren, where are you going this weekend? Um, I don't have a game this weekend. I'm back on Premier League duty next week. Uh, could you make sure that you're watching the television all weekend then and listening be. to the radio, flicking between TalkSport and TalkSport 2, making sure you've got your eyes on the... Uh, what, what are you doing? What? He's like Cristiano Ronaldo. He takes FA Cup weekends off. Amazing. That's how big time Darren Lewis is now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right that's it from us <laughs> we're going to uh, go and iron our suits for Wembley uh, we will uh, speak to you again on Monday when uh, Monday lunchtime I think we'll be up by uh, doing a review of all of the weekend's action the FA Cup make sure you join us for that The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 